Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. ALWC guiding principle number four says that prayer is the highest privilege and greatest weapon in the life of the believer. As we continue our series titled 40 Days of Prayer, we introduce the next aspect of prayer, which is confession. In today's message, we look closely at the meaning of confession and how it fits into the prayer life of the believer. Listen in, take notes, and we'll see you at the end of the broadcast. Praise the Lord. We already prayed, so let's just jump in. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to bring up on the screen, we have 10 guiding principles as a church that I want everybody to make sure you understand. If you've been through our new members class, you've been introduced to these. But everybody should understand that these 10 guiding principles are our foundations. And everything that we do as a church is, is, is interwoven with these 10 concepts. These 10 concepts are really important to us. They are, they are the foundation. This is what we believe. Um, they're not formally a doctrine statement, but they are very much so the cornerstones of our doctrine. Okay, we believe in traditional Christian doctrine, but there are certain things that stand out that give us a focus point that is unique to who we are as a church. So you should understand these 10. They're on our website and they're in your booklets that you received at the new members class. Uh, uh, the welcome to the family class. But the first thing you want to know is that number one principle is the Bible is the authority to us. The Bible, we believe the Bible is God's word to us. We believe is the authority and the final authority on all affairs of life. Everything. If we want to know what I think, find what the word says and that's be where I'm standing. Amen. And I've learned how to shift my thoughts to agree with the word. Because I realized that when I tried to shape the universe, I burned my hands on the sun. (laughs) So I decided I'm not doing that no more. So I'm going to let God shape the universe. Amen. Which means that God's word then is my instructions. Amen. Anyway, number two, we teach people to know Jesus and the word of God for themselves. In other words, you can hear me talk, but the reason we try to make things available to you, confessions or anything else so you can find the word for yourself. Find the word for yourself. We want you to know it. We, the reason I teach scripture after scripture is because we want you to hear it and know it. And we encourage everybody to take the word home. Read it for yourself. See what it says. Get it in your own heart. Because when it's in your own heart, then when you come against challenging times, you'll know what the word says and not what your pastor said. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, I was preaching about Daniel, and I was all into it. And I said something totally wrong. I had to correct myself. (laughs) Not because I I said something just foundationally wrong scripturally, but I I said that Daniel, that that Nineveh was in Babylon, and it's not. It's part of the Assyrian Empire, not the Babylonian. So I was wrong. I confess I was wrong doesn't change the substance of the message, but I was wrong. So which means I'm not above being wrong. So you need to know the Bible for your own self. So if I'm wrong, somebody should say, hey, pastor, you know what? That was a good message, but Nineveh ain't in Babylon. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Number three, it was Jesus's purpose to give abundant life. John chapter 10, verse 10 said, Jesus, Jesus, his own mouth, out of his own mouth, he said, I have come that they who, those that believe, might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That was Jesus's words, not somebody else. That's Jesus' red letters. That's what he said. 
So when does that start? It starts at the moment of your salvation, like every other thing you get from Jesus. At the moment of your salvation is when it begins. Our job is to get the word in our heart and our mind so much so that we understand what that means and how we operate in it. How do you do that? You do it number four. Number four, prayer is the highest privilege and weapon in the life of the believer. Prayer is the highest privilege and the highest weapon in the arsenal of the life of the believer. If you're a Christian, prayer is so foundational to who you are. And if you understand the first three points, then it makes prayer even more powerful. Because if you understand the word is the final authority, and if you understand that you want to know Jesus, uh, interaction Jesus for yourself, and you understand it was Jesus' purpose to give you life and that more abundantly, when we talk about what prayer is, and we know when we say prayer is talking to God, listening to God, and moving with God, then what are we talking about? God's talking about how he wants to bless me. God's talking about how he wants to give me purpose. God is talking about how he wants to fulfill what he has on my life. That's what God's talking to me about. And when I'm listening, what am I hearing? I'm hearing what God is saying. And then we hear that God is a father. And what is he doing? As a father, he's saying, I want to take care of you. I want to do for you. I want to show you how to get what you need. When my son was a kid, I grew up playing baseball. So when my son was a kid, I said, I'm going to teach you everything I know about baseball. And so we got, we got buckets of base. I still got baseball trash all around the house. He ain't played baseball in probably 10 years. But what I do, I'm, I'm sitting on the bucket tossing in balls. All right, we're going to put different color balls. Okay, look for, what's the color? Red. I'm teach, everything I know, I'm teaching him. Why? Because he's my son. Shorten your swing. Don't swing with your arms open. Swing with your arms tight. Keep your arms in tight. Turn your hips, rotate. Come on, get to the ball. What am I, I'm teaching him everything I know. Okay, when you go to grab, feel the ball, don't bend at your waist. Bend at your knees. Go down, all the way down. Get down. Everything I know about baseball, I'm teaching him every single thing I know. Why? Because I'm his father. I want him to know. What, what kind of father would I be Say, I know, but I ain't going to show you. I'm going to talk around it, but I'm not going to show you. I'm going to tell you all kinds of stories about back in the day when I used to, but I ain't going to show you how I did it. What kind of father would that be? So we have God as a father, and as a father, we have to be confident in the fact that because Jesus came to give us life, it was part of God's plan for us. Now, not only does he want to tell us about life, he wants to show us the kingdom. He told the disciples, look, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. I'm going to give you the key. So if you listen to what I'm telling you, you listen to everything I'm preaching to you, listen to, listen close and use it. That's the keys. And they watched his life and they saw him praying. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. He said, okay, good. I'm going to show you how to pray. This is how you pray. Start with stop calling God Jehovah. Call him Father. <laughs> Let's start with the foundation. Don't call him Jehovah anymore. When you pray, pray after this manner. Our Father. What's he doing? He's changing their minds. He said, I know what everybody else taught you, but I'm going to tell you what the Father teaches you. Moses wasn't your father. So Moses told you to call him Jehovah. I'm with the Father. The Father said, call me Father. 
Woo-wee, come on. My, my children's friends call me Mr. Moton. My kids call me daddy. <laughs> come on. Why? Because they've been in the house with me. They get to call me daddy. And you don't cross the line when you find, when you, you, you know when the line is. When you, as a friend, can call me pops or call me daddy. One, one young man was dating my wife, came in and called me pops. <laughs> sitting, on the, sitting on the couch. Hey, pops. No, 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 no. Let's rewind the tape. I was coaching him. They weren't really dating. He just tried to, he was trying to get in there. But uh, I ain't going to say his name, but you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> so we've been having 40 days of prayer. We've been thinking about prayer as our, one of our foundations as a church. A really, really critical foundation because prayer is that highest privilege. Why is it a highest privilege? Let's look at the book of Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to find out why prayer is the highest privilege. Hebrews 4 and 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace. You obtain mercy and you find grace. Obtaining mercy means you obtain it. How do you obtain something? I just obtained a Bible. It means I grabbed it. Obtain mercy. In other words, you got to lay hold of the mercy of God. You got to grab onto it. When you obtain the mercy of God, you're going to find the grace of God. In other words, I found... I ain't going to open his Bible. I'm going to open my own Bible. I obtained mercy. And I opened it up. What is this? I found grace. Grace becomes what you find after you obtain. When you, uh, when you, when you, when you are looking for mercy... You come before the throne of grace. Come before God's throne, his throne of grace. But when you get there, you have to lay hold of what he has for you there. And then when you lay hold of it, the grace becomes yours. The grace of God becomes yours when you lay hold to the mercy of God. Amen? Mercy for what? And grace for what? To help in the time of need. This is why prayer is your highest privilege. Because we get to come boldly before the throne of God, the throne of grace. And there we obtain mercy and we find grace to help in our time of need. Down in there, I have, uh, I have that passage in the Amplified. Can you pull that up for me? I think I, hopefully I didn't delete it. If not, we can we bring it up in the Amplified version. Yeah, we'll, uh, let's skip to verse 16. We'll come back to that part. Okay, that's the Amplified. Okay, put it to you this way. The Amplified defines the word grace. 
as the unmerited, you have it? Yeah, let me, let me read it to you real quick. Listen to this. Therefore, let us with privilege. <laughs> That's in the passage. Therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace. That is the throne of God's gracious favor with confidence and without fear so that we may receive mercy for our failures. Tell your neighbor, say, I need mercy for my failures. <laughs> yes, you do. Me too. Amen. And find his amazing grace to help in time of need an appropriate blessing coming at just the right moment. Woo-wee, come on. An appropriate blessing coming at just the right moment. That's what you find when you find the throne of grace. That's why prayer is so important to the life of the Christian. The prayer in the life of the Christian, when we can make prayer correct, do prayer the right way. When we do prayer the right way, according to the biblical order, when we start to learn how to pray that way, then when we go to God, we're not just going and crying to God. My mother was so intent on me knowing God that she taught me how to pray when I was a youngster. And we'd get on our knees on the side of the bed every night. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die, I don't want to die. <laughs> oh, no, I don't want to die. Just, just calm down. Just calm down. If I should die <laughs> before I wake, <laughs> I pray the Lord. Y'all learn the same one. Huh? I pray the Lord, my soul to take. That used to be the scariest prayer. I'm talking about prayer, uh, dying and, and taking souls. Oh, <laughs> that's a big old burden on a little kid, especially a bad one. <laughs> man, little good kids, they pray and they pray all happy. Bad kids, oh no, man. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Say amen for the bad kids. Everybody need bad kids in their church. Amen. <laughs> let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need prayer is your highest privilege it's the highest privilege you have as a believer but unfortunately most of us have never been taught sometimes past that God is good God is great let us thank him for our food. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Most of us haven't been taught those progressive prayers beyond that level. They taught us those, but we didn't always get taught the rest of the prayer. How else to pray? So then, then, then the other one I was taught comes right out the Bible. Jesus wept. That's it. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know, but that's what we, you know, grace before the meal. Jesus wept. I said, what was he sweeping? 
<laughs> I just, that was bothering me. What was Jesus sweeping? <laughs> Jesus swept. What did, Jesus swept. What did he, what was it? What was dirty? What was he, what was he trying to clean up? <laughs> I didn't know it was Jesus wept. <laughs> I thought it was Jesus swept. <laughs> <laughs> you see what she's dealing with here? <laughs> a lot of questions when I was a kid. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Let's go there real quick. <laughs> it's a privilege, but it's also a weapon. We were praying, singing today, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Yeah. How do I fight my battles? Yes. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are what? In what? In God. They're mighty in God. For what? Pulling down strongholds. Woo! The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. Your best, be- your best weapons are not your feet, nor your hands, or even your tongue. Because some of us are tongue skillful. <laughs> we know how to, you make me mad, I know how to get you. And I'm not writing poetry for you either. <laughs> it may come across poetic, <laughs> but I don't mean it for poetry. Some of us have those tongues that can let people know how we feel and cut people down with our tongues. Amen. Sometimes that sword of the tongue is sharper than the sword in your pocket. Amen. But we have weapons that are not carnal. The weapons that you really have, the weapons God gives you are not carnal weapons, but they're mighty in God to pull down strongholds. Let's look at the next verse. They cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into, the, into captivity to the obedience of God. Christ. You got weapons that can pull down strongholds and get your mind right. Get your mind right. Pull your thoughts into captivity. How many of y'all have battles with your thoughts? Amen. Joyce Meyer wrote a book called The Battlefield of the Mind. And what she said, basically the, the cornerstone of the story is, is that every fight you fight starts here. It may manifest out there, but it started in here. Couple falls in love. They absolutely in love. They, 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 they can't even wait to just be near each other. They walking together, talking together, spending time together. And then one day, 
They go home. And my man's socks get left on the floor. But she's so in love. She just gathered a little funky sock up. <laughs> gently laid it down in the hamper and kept on going. And a couple years later, yeah, somebody said. The same funky little sock is not cute no more. Now it done turned into something. The sock has, 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 has gravitated all this, this pulse of anger on top of it because I'm picking up your funky sock all the time. And the battle, the thoughts are all of a sudden, oh, if he throw another sock down, I'm, ooh. What changed? <laughs> We're talking about prayer, y'all. <laughs> Preached. Pre- preach it to myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, I'm going to clear this up. I don't leave socks all around the house. <laughs> there is a spot where I drop a sock, but it ain't, ain't all around the house. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo, Jesus. Mm. I, I need the throne of grace, y'all. I need to, I need to find help in my time of need. <laughs> Woo, Jesus. <laughs> so this couple in love, all of a sudden, what happens? It's the thoughts the thoughts start getting weighed down. At first, love is overwhelming the thoughts because she sees she don't like the sock being down there when she sees it the first time. She picks it up, throws it away. In the hamper, not throw it away, throw it in the hamper. So some socks might need to get thrown away, but that's another story. But, but the constant dripping of thoughts the drip, the drip, the drip, it adds up to now there's a weight of thoughts that have turned into a stronghold. You know, ever seen the movie uh, Shawshank Redemption? My man broke his way out of prison because he understood the concept of the drip. The drip is just, I just need, I just need to carve out just a handful of stuff that'll fit in my pocket today. Dump it out later. And I need to come back again and they just take a little bit. Guess what? That's how the devil works in your life. The devil works in your life by taking a little, 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 little cut at a time. He don't need a big cut. He just see, we waiting for him to come jump in with the big suit on and say, I'm the devil. I'm here to take you out. And he never shows up. He says, it's all good. But in the meantime, he's just creeping, just, just taking a little, just a little, I just need to carve off a little bit. Too busy to pray today, so uh, pray tomorrow. Pray tomorrow. You got it. I got you. Wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Hey, hey. You know what? Pastor said the same thing he said two weeks ago. So uh, go on and uh, uh, just, just take a nod. Just take a nod. It'll be okay. <laughs> take a nap. 
little, little things, little things. The Bible says little foxes spoil the vines because you never notice it's coming. It's just the little stuff coming up, leading up, little stuff, leading up, leading up. Where does it come? It comes to something big. Prayer is our place where we find the grace to erase the stuff that's piling up. Prayer becomes our place where we come before the throne of God. We come before the throne of God daily to cleanse the mind, to get the mind clear. But if prayer is not done effectively, then we just go and we cry about the problem and then we go back with nothing changed. So we want to learn how to effectively pray. So we said last week that the effective beginning place for our prayer is what? Praise. Praise is the effective beginning place for our prayers because praise starts to set the atmosphere that I'm not talking about my problems or my issues. I'm talking to God, the creator and maker of all things, the one who has everything in his hands. Amen. That's who I'm talking to. I'm coming before the throne of grace. Why is it grace? It's grace because even though if I feel like I shouldn't be here, God made a space for me. God made a space for me. You know, as a little kid, uh, every holiday, they have the food that's being cooked, And at my grandmother's house, there was a table in the dining room. And there's a little teeny tiny table way back behind in the kitchen, way back in the kitchen, all back to the back window to the kitchen. And all the adults ate at the big table and the kids ate at the table in the back. Never mind, there's eight kids back here. Found some kind of way we all going to fit at this table back here, which means we all going to be sitting up in here like this and we're going to be arguing, how, how come they got a leg and I got a wing? How can, you know, we, and you're going to have all the arguments because of all that. And if you, by a chance, as a child, wander in there to the big table, the first question is, what are you doing here? <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> you need to go back there. But God says, I'm going to make a room for you at the big table. Come on, I'm going to invite you to the big table. You come on up. And remember that day you get old enough and you can go in there with the big table? And, you all, and, you, you, and you're all excited. Like, Man, I can sit up here. And realize you got to sit on the couch because there ain't no space. <laughs> anyway, enough of my downloads for today. Amen. <laughs> Prayer is our highest privilege and our greatest weapon. Now, I want you to go back to Hebrews chapter 4 again, but we're going to start at verse 14. Hebrews 4 and 14. Prayer begins, if we think about that acronym, A-C-T-S, adoration, which is your praise. Begin prayer with adoration. The second is confession. So we're going to spend the rest of the time today talking about confession. I want you to get a hold deeply of what it means to confess. Confess. Now, when I learned about confession, the first time I ever heard the phrase confession, the way I heard it used was that you need to confess your sin. Confess your sin. You know you're a dirty sinner, confess your sin. Man, I'm so dirty, I can't confess all this sin. 
Confess your sin. I'm going to be here all day. Confess your sin. Come on, come on. And you try to confess. And you confess for five minutes. And you say, oh, phew, I'm finally done. I confessed everything. And you got up and you said, oh, man, I forgot. <laughs> man. But Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, is going to give us a framework for a new understanding of confession. Hebrews 4 and 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold fast our confession. And if you think that the only confession is the confession of your sin, then you will continue confessing sin and confessing sin and confessing sin and you'll get overwhelmed with a guilt complex and you will start believing that you're never going to be good enough for God. If that's your understanding of this passage. Seeing that we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Wow, Jesus is holy. He's the Son of God. He's elevated. Man, he is the great high priest. Wow, and I'm just a dirty sinner. I'm just a worm crawling before the Lord. I'm a dirty worm crawling before the Lord. Lord, I'm evil. I'm so evil. Lord, I'm bad. I'm evil. Oh, Lord, Jesus, help me. Lord, I'm sinful beyond measure. I, I don't not, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. If that's your confession and you're holding fast to that confession, then guess what? Your confession will be your possession. I'm not worthy, Lord. And then God tries to bless you and you say, I'm not worthy. I'm trying to bless you, man. But I'm not worthy of your blessing, oh God. See, there's a difference in reverencing God and understanding who you become as a child of God. You're never going to be holy as God. But you also are no longer a sinner. You may fall into sin, but you've been transformed. You have a new spirit. And the new spirit within you makes you a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's why when we looked at being a new year, a new me, we had to first come to the reality that you've been given a new identity in Christ. I'm a new creation. I'm created in the image and likeness of God, and I have been sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. I'm different. I'm new. I may make mistakes. I may fall. But thanks be unto God, all I have to do is confess my sin. And he's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me. Amen. Let's go, let's go to 1 John chapter 4. Let's look at it. I want you to see it with your eyes because you have to process what it means. Because some people think, see, you're a sinner and that's all you are. You're always going to be a sinner. But guess what? You were a sinner. Such were some of you. <laughs> Such were some of us. 1 John chapter 4. Excuse me. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. 1 John 1 and 9. Beloved, do not. I'm sorry. 1 John chapter 1, 
verse 9. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. There we go. If we confess our sins, tell your neighbor, say, if you think you don't sin, then you're a liar and the truth ain't in you. I'm quoting the Bible. I'm quoting the Bible, y'all. Come on. (laughs) That does not mean you're a sinner. It means if you believe you can live this life without falling into sin, then you'd be lying to yourself. Not that you're a sinner, because you were a sinner before you received Christ as your salvation and your new creation life. There's a difference between being an identity of a sinner and sinning. I rode a horse before, but I'm not a jockey. Amen? I'm not a jockey. I can't call myself a jockey. That's not what I am, but I have rode a horse. How many jockeys in the room? So if we understand that about being a jockey, do you understand it about being a sinner? Just because you sin doesn't make you a sinner. You were born a sinner, absolutely. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, then you're a sinner. But when you do give your life, that's where the transformation is. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm not who I used to be. I was a jockey, but I got off the horse. Amen? As a matter of fact, I stay away from barns. <laughs> Amen? If we confess our sins, he is, look at this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us of the unrighteousness. Not only do you get forgiven, you get cleansed. Because, see, you need to understand this because when you try to go boldly before the throne of grace, what the devil's going to do is remind you of your sins. When you get ready to step before the throne of grace, he's going to remind you of your sin and try to get you not to accept the fact that grace is what I find. I'm here to obtain mercy. I'm going to lay hold of the mercy. Because why? Because I already know the devil's going to try to tell me what a sinner I am. So I got to lay hold on the mercy. And then I find the grace. The unmerited favor. The favor of God that comes not because I earned it or deserved it, but because of who I've become in Christ. Amen? So tell your neighbor, say, you look great today. But there's something I know about you. (laughs) But it's okay. (laughs) Because God gives you grace. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) All right, let's talk real quickly about what the word confession means. The Greek word confession. I'll start with the Hebrew. The Hebrew word confession is, is the word yada. As in yada, 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 right? Yada. Yada. What it means is confession, but it's turned in the Old Testament specifically toward God. 
which makes it a confession of praise. In the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 5, verse 17, many people quote this passage. It says, if my people were called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. And we know it just goes on from there. That prayer, that declaration, is actually God making a declaration to confirm the very words that were spoken by Solomon in the chapter before that. Because Solomon was dedicating a temple to God. His father David had drawn the plans and had set aside resources, gold and silver and all kinds of things for the building of God to be a tabernacle. But God said, David, you can't do it. I'm going to let your son do it, but you can't. So Solomon's instructed and taught how to build this temple, and he has all this stuff already. And then he says, but if we're going to build this temple, we've got to dedicate it to God. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pray and we're going to talk to God and we're going to dedicate this time of prayer to honor God with this temple that we're building for him. This temple that's that's made of this rich material, everything that's so valuable. We're going to build this thing. We're going to dedicate it to God. And when he has, he says, now God, now that we have dedicated this temple to you, will you hear from heaven? God, now that we're dedicating this temple to you, if, we, if your people fall, if your people forget about you, if your people start acting a fool, if your people do the wrong things, but they come to this place and they pray to you and they confess your name, will you hear from heaven? So Solomon in this case, has taken a temple dedicated and asked God if we'll just confess, if we'll agree with your name, if we will yada your name, if we will confess your name in praise and we'll admit where we missed it, but we yada you, will you hear? And then 5 and 17 where we always read, God's saying yes. If my people call by my name, if they will humble themselves, if they will pray, yes, I will hear their land. But what does that pray mean? It means they need to yada me. Not just come and pray. They need to yada me. They need to declare and confess and say who I am. Not just what they did wrong, but who is God? To say, God, you are the great and mighty God. God, your name is lifted above the heavens. Lord, we praise you with all that is within us. Lord, we worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, your name is great. Lord, we call on your name of Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. We call on your name, Lord, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace. We call on your name, Lord, Jehovah Makedeshim, the Lord, our righteousness. He said, we call, if you call on my name, if you yada my name, then I will hear from heaven. <laughs> if you yada my name, I will hear you from heaven. Praise the Lord. The New Testament word is the Greek word homologio. Homologio. Homo means the same. 
Logio is words. Homologio. It means if you can say the same words as God. To confess. That's why when you sin and you confess, you're saying the same words as God. You're saying that what is wrong is wrong. Lord, I confess my sin. I confess that I've done this and you've said it's wrong. So I'm confessing. I'm agreeing with you. I'm homologying you. I'm saying, I'm the same, say the same thing you say about it. That's why the word has to be our final authority because then we're in line and we can actually confess with God because otherwise we're confessing against God. So first is homologia. I speak that. Second is when I confess, I confess not only my sins, but I confess who God is in my life. So when I read the Bible and it says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. For me to confess or homologio, that word means I say, Jesus came to give me life. I have life abundantly. Jesus came to give me life. And I have life more abundantly. That's a confession. That's a confession. Amen? Amen. The word confess and confession, those two words in the New Testament, confession is used seven times in the New Testament. The word confess is used 14 times. So the same homologio word is used in either a verb or adverb in 21 spaces in the New Testament. Only two of the 21 refer to confessing sin. But most people don't know confession besides confessing sin. Amen? Go back to Hebrews 4 again. Let's go to Hebrews 4 and 14 again. Let's take a look. Are you with me? The second stage of prayer is confession. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Not your confession of your sin, that's part of it. But if you only confess your sin, then your mind will only receive that confession. See, you need to confess for two reasons. You know, Romans chapter 12 tells us that don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. Joshua chapter 1 said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, for then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Confession and meditation work together because your confession becomes your meditation. Whatever comes out of your mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak, right? So whatever's in your heart in abundance is going to come out of your mouth. So your confession becomes a revelation of what's in your heart. That's why the sock becomes so dangerous. Because the sock is setting up something in the heart that eventually is going to come out of the mouth. But it's not going to come out of the mouth because of the person who says it. It's because the person who's doing it is creating a trap for the heart of the other. Amen? 
Now, everybody's responsible for their own responses. We need to be careful because remember, the weapons of your warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty for pulling down those strongholds. So we all have a responsibility to pull down the strongholds, but we also have to recognize sometimes we're building the strongholds in other people's lives. So what is prayer? Prayer is both the stronghold builder and the stronghold holder having an opportunity to go before God and confess cleansing of all of it. To be able to cleanse our heart and mind, get our mind clear, to make a confession. How do you make confession? The first and best way to make confession is to find out what the Bible says about you and start saying it. First thing you know, you're a new creation, right? Second Corinthians 5 and 17. So sometimes you need to make your confession become, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. You need to walk around all day. One day, just make up your mind. All, you know, all day long, I'm going to say this all day long. I'm going to say it no matter what happens. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it over and over. I'm going to say it over and over again. Why? Because I'm changing my declaration and I'm getting something new in my heart. I'm getting something new in my heart. I'm getting my mind renewed, okay? Because all the old voices are trying to confess who you used to be. So you have to meet them with who God says you are now. That's why Joshua said, you got to get the book of the law and you got to meditate on it day and night because that's how you make your way prosperous. That's how you make success. Whatever you meditate on in abundance will own you. Whatever you meditate on in abundance will own you. That's why we have to guard. Bible defines sin as this. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. We get drawn away by our own lust. In other words, the cornerstone of things that get into us don't get into us because they're not attractive. They get into us because they are attractive. Amen. Confess what? Matthew 10 and 32. Let's bring Matthew 10 and 32 up. We'll look, I'm going to give you a couple examples of confession so you can see them and you can know how to start doing this because you want to start making your confession. You want to start being deliberate about your confession. Amen? Well, I learned how to pray. I started praying just what the Bible said. I had these little post-it notes. Well, I told you guys before, when I got saved, they gave me post-it notes. I didn't know what to pray. I don't know anything. I just read these passages. I said, Lord, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Lord, make me a new creation. And it became my daily prayer. And Galatians 2 and 20 was on there. And I started making that confession. And I started confessing those passages. And I started praying those, asking God for those. And that's what I kept praying. I kept confessing. Next thing I knew, that's what was happening in my life. Amen? Look at this. Jesus said this, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who's in heaven. Amen. If you can start confessing Jesus before men, then guess what? God said, I'm, 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 conf- I'm writing your name up top. <laughs> I'm writing your name in heaven. Well, you could just confess me. So there's confession to people. There's confession to God. There's different types of confession. Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians uh, uh, 2, 
um, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 9 and 13. 2 Corinthians 9 and 13. You might have to turn there. I don't think I have those in the, in the deck back there. 2 Corinthians 9 and 13. Second Corinthians 9 and 13 says this. It says, while through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and with all men. So in this case, he's saying, hey, there's a confession of the gospel that you make. A confession of the gospel, a confession of good news. What's that look like? That looks like when you're sitting down somewhere someday just saying, God, I thank you. I thank you for saving me. I thank you for redemption. And sometimes it's sharing with others. You know what? Today I'm just grateful for God's redemption on my life. What does that mean? What did he redeem you from? Everything. (laughs) He redeemed me from everything. I just confess it. And you know what? People hear that. You know what they think? Oh, pfft, what, oh wow. You, you needed deliverance? <laughs> and then they get a tough call and they call you on the phone. <laughs> hey, man, you got deliverance. What? <laughs> Can I get some of that deliverance? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Amen. <laughs> Let's put a little cherry on the top. Go to Revelations 3 and 5. Revelations 3 and 5. Revelations 3 and 5. This is getting to the end of the book here. So this is good stuff here. It says, he who overcomes. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm an overcomer. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. The ultimate white party. The ultimate white party. (laughs) He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. In other words, no matter what he carried in, he's not getting blotted out. He's an overcomer. I'm not going to blot his name out. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Listen, Jesus said, you've been confessing me all your life. You've been confessing me all the way to heaven. And when you get here, I'm going to confess your name. (laughs) You've been confessing the name of Jesus while you were walking the earth. You've been telling people about Jesus and talking about Jesus and living for Jesus. But one day's going to come, I'm going to dress you in white and I'm going to say your name. I hope y'all understand what I'm telling you. One day Jesus said, I'm going to say your name before the Father. I'm going to say, Derry Moton. No, no, no. He's going to say, Derry Lee Moton II. He's going to say my whole name. (laughs) And he's going to say your name. 
because your confession on the earth is going to open the doors for your confession to be in heaven. Amen? Because whatever happens in the earth is going to happen in heaven. That's what Jesus' keys to you were. He said, whatever you do, whatever you loose on the earth, I will loosen in heaven. And when your confession is loosing things from the word into the world, it's going to happen in heaven the same way. Amen? Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, Jesus is going to confess your name in heaven before the Father. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Your name is going to be confessed in heaven because you're an overcomer. How do you become an overcomer? You become an overcomer by your confession in the earth. By taking the word and beginning to start letting the word transform the way you think, transform the way you operate. And to begin when you are inspired to say something that does not agree with God is to put that down and confess God instead. There's a man I was, I was counseling and he was sharing a challenge he was having. And so he was having this challenge and, and we were trying to figure out, okay, well, how are we going to overcome this? So I gave him these instructions. I said, whenever the challenge comes, you need to start confessing. Not the challenge. You need to confess your victory. You need to confess your victory. You need to go into prayer immediately. As soon as the thing comes, you need to say, Lord, I thank you that I've been set free and delivered and made whole. I thank you, Lord, that I have lack of nothing. I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. I don't need to bow to anything whatsoever, Lord. I thank you that you are the God who's always with me. You stand with me, and you not only stand with me, you sent your Holy Spirit to live on the inside of me. And Lord, I thank you in the name of Jesus, Lord, that I am free and independent of all sin and unrighteousness. I thank you right now that I am a man of God. I walk upright all times without any falling or failure because every time my foot gets ready to slip, I declare your name. And watch that thing run. But this is what the Bible said about Jesus, that Jesus was tempted of the devil 40 days. And he confessed the word of God and he drove the devil out. But the Bible says this, the devil went away until an opportune time. In other words, he's going to go away. He's going to flee, but he's looking for a way to come back. But when he comes back, he needs to be met with the same thing he got met with this time. Amen. It's like the bully who comes out to fight somebody. And somebody finally stands up to the bully and hits the bully in the mouth. And the bully ain't never got hit before and he goes away and he trying to come back because now he got to prove he was a bully all the time. I was righteously the bully. I ain't going to let this little guy who just hit me right now, I can't, I can't live with this. I got to come back and he's going to come back again. And if you come back, he comes back and you say, man, I was lucky the first time. Then you'll go right back to where you were. But you, your confession need to be like David you know what, I've killed the lion and the bear and I'm going to grab your beard and take you out too. <laughs> That's a confession. He confessed what he did in the past and how it was going to bless him in the future. Amen? You're going to learn to put the confession of God in your mouth and begin to confess and declare and declare and confess and, and declare and continue to say over and over and over again what God has said so that you make your way prosperous and you have good success. Amen? 
Amen. If we're lacking prosperous or prosperity or success, it's because we have not held on to the confession of faith that we need to have. We have not confessed our hope, spoken to that thing. Amen. Last passage, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10 and 23. Just look at the screen. Let us hold fast the confession of our what? Look at the past. Look at look on the screen. Let us hold fast the confession of our without for he who is faithful. Come on. You don't have a promise from Joe Blow. You got a promise from Jesus Christ. It ain't a promise from Ned to Wino or somebody else. You got a weeping wonder. You ain't a, you, you got a promise from Jesus. <laughs> Let us hold fast our confession of faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of the unseen. So even if you can't see it, you need to confess it. Amen. Amen. What do y'all see? You see an iPad on a stand, right? Is that what you see? Is there anything else to see? There's nothing else to see? Do you see it? The ground is there. What else? It's, you see, I want all y'all to look. Y'all, y'all see an iPad stand and an iPad on top of it, right? On a stand on the floor, right? Is there anything else to see? Is there anything else to see? Yes, there's more to see, right? Who sees what you don't see? God? I see it, right? I see because it's facing me. I see what you can't see. And I'm going to tell you what I see. And when I tell you what I see, you need to say what I said I see. And not what you see. You see an iPad in a stand. I see a Bible scripture. There is a Bible scripture on this iPad. What do y'all see? Come on. Come on. There is a scripture on this iPad. What do you see? There we go. See, God in his word is telling you things you cannot see. And he's asking you to confess what he says. Because he can see what you can't see. He can see what you can't see. So he's telling you what's here on the other side of what you can't see. And because he sees and tells you what he sees, you can say what he sees and not what you see. So when the Bible says, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus, it's God telling me to say what he sees and not what you see. Yes. 
When he says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. That's why you can talk to people who have committed murder or atrocities or done anything else, and you can say what God says about them and not what you see. That's how people get saved. They get saved when you can see what God says and you say about them what God says and they say, that's not true. You say, yes, it is because that's what God says about you. Because your confession is now changed. You're not saying what you see. You're saying what God says. Because God's seeing from heaven. So our confession, when we're praying, we're not just praying what we see. We're praying what God says he sees. And when we pray what God says he sees and we're aligning what we're doing, we are yadaing God. We're homologuing God. We're getting in and saying what he says. And now we become not just talkers to God and listeners to God. But when we start saying what he says, we start moving with God. Amen? We start moving because of our confession. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that this word will root deeply in the hearts and minds of everyone here. Thank you what the word has been spoken, Lord, that you will graft it deeply in the hearts. Thank you for Holy Spirit, you grabbing a hold of it. Thank you for every person in here taking hold of their own confession of hope. I thank you that we speak what we hope and not what we see. We thank you we confess and declare what your word says about us and not what we have seen or heard from other people. I thank you that many have spoken against us, Lord, but we thank you we declare and speak openly what you say about us. We thank you right now, even people around our lives, we thank you we confess over them the love of God. We confess over them the power of God. We confess over them God's will for their lives. I thank you, Lord. Let the weak say, I am strong. Hallelujah. Yes, because we confess and declare what God has instructed us. Hallelujah. Praise God and thanks for listening. Today's message was titled Confession from our series, 40 Days of Prayer. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at alwc.us. On our site, you'll find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. Once again, the site is alwc.us. You can also find us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash abundantlifeworship.net. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Until then, remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.